Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and you are listening to Calvary Live. and want to welcome you to today's program. I'm your host for the next hour. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and I'm here ready to take your questions and your prayer requests. You just heard the number 303-690-3000 that will work anywhere in the country. So I want to welcome all of you that are listening live on Grace FM all along the Front Range from Pueblo, Colorado, up into southern Wyoming, even into the panhandle of Nebraska. We want to welcome you and give me a call at 303-690-3000 for you to ask a question about the Bible or perhaps Christian living or maybe some of the things that you see going on around us, what's our worldview as a Christian. And uh, so we want to talk about the things of the Lord. Also, want to welcome all the online listeners. You are listening, of course, live. And I just want to encourage everyone that if you don't have the Grace FM uh, app, uh, that you should get it on your smartphones or your mobile devices. And uh, we want to be able to make it as easy as possible for you to listen to um, Grace FM and then also to Calvary Live and so 303-690-3000 is the number to call. I also want to welcome uh, those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM. You can call at this time. It's same number, 303-690-3000. And uh, you can ask your questions. You are a week delayed, and you can listen to the conversation that you have with us uh, next week. But uh, we love it when you guys call from the East Coast, from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and uh, Kentucky and um, other states, uh, North Carolina. Uh, we just love it to hear from you guys. So please call in. We invite you to do that. Uh, such a blessing to have you join us for Calvary Live. There is also a dedicated text line that you can text in a question or a prayer request. And that number is 720-336-0897. Once again, 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven, and as time permits, we will look at those text questions. Matter of fact, uh, I saw that one came in right before the show, and it really caught my attention because I think maybe this is a question that uh, a lot of you uh, can have, or you feel this way. But uh, the person who texted in said, "I know God wants to work in my life, even in difficult situations, but there are people that." are such a discouragement in what they say, I think God can't work. How can I get past this? And and the reason it caught my uh, attention is because uh, we can uh, feel like, uh, as people talk to us, that, you know, who's this God that's going to help you? And God's not really, uh, hears your prayers. We can get so discouraged by the voices of the world when we find ourselves in situations where we're crying out to God, Lord, help me. Help me in this difficult situation, circumstance, um, you know, place that I am in. And God wants to help, and his promises are true for us. But it reminded me so much of a story 
that we have in the Synoptic Gospels. And I'm going to read it actually from Mark's narrative. But most of us that are listening, you know the story about how Jesus, when he was in the Galilee, there was that uh, woman with the issue of blood uh, that came to him. Uh, but also Jairus, the ruler there um, in Capernaum, that came to Jesus. And he had a 12-year-old daughter that was very sick and on the point of dying. And, and Jesus would bring healing to that woman that had that issue of blood for 12 years. But then Jairus' uh, daughter, the report comes that she is dead. And don't bother the master any longer. And at that point, I'm sure Jairus and his and his wife, his family, that it was just hopeless. It, it seemed like no way that could life uh, or help be brought into this situation. But I love the story that uh, says that as Jesus came, uh, he would say to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. After he gets the news that his daughter is dead, don't bother the teacher any longer. Uh, Jesus continues to minister, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly, those were the mourners um, who uh, came. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And, of course, the story goes on to to tell us how Jesus would speak to the little girl, um, Telai little girl, I say to you, arise, and she arose, and, and, and they were all amazed. But I think that there's a key here, and that is as the people were mocking him, is what one of the other Gospels say, they ridiculed him. What do you mean she's not dead? Um, and they uh, would t- do that. And what Jesus did was he put them all outside. And for you and for me, a good thing to remember is that those who come along, when we have the promises of God, when we have the Lord that says, don't be afraid, only believe, believe in my promises, believe that I'm working, that I see you, that we need to put those mockers outside. We need to put them outside and and, and allow the Lord to work. Just put them out of our influence and and to say, Lord, I do believe, and, I, and I'm going to trust in you. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you who text this question in, and for all of you that are listening, and uh, believe in the Lord, trust in Him, and push out the mockers. Put them outside and watch the Lord work. Well, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. That text line is 720-336-0897. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. Let's go to Darlene in Baltimore as we go to our phone lines. Darlene? Darlene, are you with us? Darlene had a question about the rapture. Darlene, are you there? Uh, yes, here. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for calling in. Love to hear from you guys from the East Coast. Okay. Okay, my question is, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So when the Christians get caught up, they don't actually die. So what What? What does that mean? We, you know, I mean, do we bypass yeah. dying? <laughs> Well, that's the good news. And and Darlene, I got a little bit of feedback. I'm getting noise from you. So, um, but I did get your question. Okay. 
And um, so they might turn you down a little bit. Um, and But I hope you can hear me as I answer it because it, it, it's a great question that you ask. It is a point at once for man to die um, and then the judgment. And that is the case for for for, of course, the majority of us. But then Paul comes along and he gives this wonderful promise that there is going to be a generation of Christians that are not going to go through a physical death. And he says, as he's talking about the resurrection, he says, and those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Those, of course, are those who went on before us. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, Second Corinthians chapter 5 declares to us, and we know that when we die here, that we go on to be with the Lord, our spirit, immediately to be with Jesus. But then our bodies are going to be, you know, uh, put in the ground or cremated or whatever. But when the rapture happens, then all of a sudden the resurrection which speaks about how we're going to go from uh, corruption to incorruption, uh, from mortality to immortality that those uh, bodies are going to be resurrected to where we get new heavenly bodies. So that will happen first. All this is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That is harpazo in the Greek. It's the uh, Latin word rapturus where we get the English word rapture because there are those who will say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I don't believe in the Bible uh, or in the rapture. Well, the word Bible is not in the Bible, and we believe the Bible, right? So the word caught up is going to be snatched up. So Paul very clearly talks about that time when, uh, even as he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that uh, we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So there will be a generation of Christians that are going to be resurrected, um, alive. We're going to meet the Lord in the air um, in when the Lord comes for the church. Now you do have... Elijah in the Old Testament that was taken up into heaven, he didn't go through physical death, and same with Enoch in the book of Genesis. So you have those exceptions, but everybody else is going to die. If if my body wears out before the coming of the Lord, um, then we will die and then the judgment. And I think that as that is written in the book of Hebrews, we are being reminded, Darlene, there are no second chances. I think that's the main thrust and emphasis that is being said, um, because some people think, well, you know, those of the Catholic faith um, have, you know, been told some of them because I grew up in the Catholic Church. I did too. That there, yeah, limbo. that there's, there's a, a limbo. <laughs> yeah, there's. They, they think um, there's a limbo and, and purgatory and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing how when we go over these scriptures about that. Um, it's on this side of eternity that we need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Everyone is appointed to death, and then the judgment's going to come. And mm-hmm. and there are no second chances. There's no purgatory. And heaven is real, and hell is real as well. So that's what mm-hmm. the Scripture tells us, and that's why I pray for the rapture. I'd love to just go up into heaven like Enoch did and Elijah oh, that's did. that's what I think. And, and now, Enoch, and now a lot of people speculate that Enoch and... Um, uh, the other one was Enoch and In Elijah. Other, Elijah, they, that they are going to be the two prophets that come back during the tribulation, and because it's going to be two men. A lot of people speculate that that's going to be them because they have to die. Because well, be, it, but I don't know if that's true or if that's just rumor either. You know. 
that that's the thought. That's the thought yeah. that the two witnesses of Revelation mm-hmm. chapter eleven are going to yeah. be Elijah and Enoch because it's appointed once for men to die and then the judgment. I don't know if that really holds a lot of water because mm-hmm. what about all of us that are going to be raptured before that? That's what I t- that was that was my question. Yeah, because that that's that's tricky. Yeah, I guess yeah. there's going to be so, a little bit of an exception because. And the other question is like they talk about your bodies and the graves are going to be. The people, I didn't understand that. What is that? See, like the bones. What happened? Yeah, that is the resurrection. When you read First Corinthians fifteen, when you read Second Corinthians chapter five, Darlene is talking Mm -hmm. about the resurrection, and the resurrection is more than just talking about eternal life, which is great as as believers, but um, it's eternal life in a new heavenly body. So that's what Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, um, he resurrected, and it was a bodily resurrection, right? That mm-hmm. we know th- that um, that we also uh, have the promise that we are going to be resurrected as well. So the resurrection is, at that time of the rapture, at, as Paul would write, um, as he goes on in the chapters, the longest chapter in First Corinthians, for um, in the moment, uh, he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet mm-hmm. will sa- sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corrupt- corruptible must mm-hmm. put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. That's when we're going to get those new resurrected bodies. So the question is, Darlene, when mm-hmm. we die, our our spirits, there's that false doctrine of soul sleep. There are those who say, well, our soul sleeps. Our soul doesn't sleep. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 5, as Paul is writing again about the resurrection, so that's the good news. As soon as I take my last breath here, that I am going to go on to be with Jesus. So the question is, are we going to remain in that spirit form until um, the rapture of the church, until the resurrection? Do we get a temporary body? I don't know. But the good news is, is that we are with Jesus, and then we will get new heavenly bodies that will last for all eternity, no more sickness, no more disease, um, I'm going to probably be a whole lot better looking, you know, <laughs> hurt a whole lot less because yeah. as I get older, you know, Paul says our bodies groan as we get older and the older I get, yeah. the more that I groan. So that's the good news. But there is going to be a generation of Christians that aren't going to go through that physical death and immediately they will get their new heavenly bodies in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, which is the speed of light. So when it says the dead in Christ, that's what I, I I'm a little confused because when you die there, you're you're not there with the Lord. Yeah. So and, and a lot of people are, are are cremated and so their bodies really aren't in the graves anymore. You know what I mean? And plus they're de- well, decayed. What, what happens? So I never understood yeah. what that means. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a difficult concept, but, you know, <laughs> your body's decay, decay, it goes into the yeah. ground, you know, the grass. But the Lord knows every molecule, every atom he knows, and all of that will be resurrected. So when it talks about the dead, it's just another term for those who have passed on. It's a term that our bodies are dead at that time, 
but not us. We continue to live. And everybody's going to be resurrected at, at some point because you have the first resurrection for believers all in its order, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. But then there's the second resurrection, the unrighteous dead. They're going to be resurrected as well at the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium reign, and then they will be cast into outer darkness. Much to think about. Your mind can just freak yeah. out thinking about it. It's so, <laughs> but you know, rejoice in it, and I think that's the the key. We can't fully understand that, but we are going to get new heavenly bodies for all eternity, and I can't wait till that happens. Yes, same here. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. You bet, darling. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. All right. All you right. too. Bye-bye. God bless you. All right, when somebody hangs up, we got an open line, so 303-690-3000. It's a glorious truth that we have of the resurrection, that we're going to be resurrected unto life, is what Jesus said, and those who are non-believers are going to be resurrected unto death, and that is separated from the Lord. Let's go to Lynn in Fort Collins. She has a question about the resurrected dead. Lynn? Hi. Hi, Pastor. Thanks so much for taking my call and for, you for bet. your wonderful ministry. Um this is a resurrection question, and and I don't even know if we know the answer. It's in one of the Gospels. But I rem- remember when I was reading about Jesus, when he was resurrected, people were seeing resurrected people that had been dead, that their loved ones possibly that were walking around and um, at that same time because that power, I guess, from, from Jesus was so powerful. Um, do, do we right. know, were they going... I'm sure if they came back to their families, <laughs> right? I, well, what yeah, happened to those people? Exactly. So I'm going to read it for the sake of our listeners. Okay. And you're making reference to Matthew chapter 27 when Jesus okay. cried out, you know, from the cross, my, "My my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" When he took our sins upon himself, and then um, he cried uh, in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. Verse 50. And then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. So the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place rent in two from top to bottom. Uh, you can read uh, some of the commentaries. Some suggest that that veil was a foot thick, and, um, and it rent from top to bottom. And in that, the good news is, as Jesus in the other Gospels had just cried out, it is finished. And when he cried, it is finished, the veil rent, he breathed his last. But what he was saying is that now come into my presence. Because only the high priests were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, which represented where the presence of God was, where um, the tangible presence of God was. And only the high priest on one day a year for a short time was allowed to go into that place. Um, So um, what... Uh, we have there is then, here's where your question comes in, and and then it it tells us after the veil was rent in two, uh, and the rocks were split, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and were coming out of the graves after his resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, there is the question, um, if the resurrection happens, because what we see is it seems like in Daniel chapter 12 that the resurrection of the Old Testament saints are going to happen um, in the, at the end of the tribulation period, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, 
when uh, Jacob's trouble comes. So you're wondering, well, who are these guys? What's this all about? And I've read on it, and I think, uh, like Dr. John Wolverd, uh, what he suggests is perhaps what we see here. These are the Old Testament saints that are coming up, is maybe this is uh, first fruits of the harvest, um, some kind of first fruits that are taking place, and um, because it says that some of them came out of the grave. So um, that's the best that I can answer for you. Uh, coming out of the graves is resurrection. They went into the holy cities. Um, you know, many bodies of the saints. Um, it, it doesn't say all of them, but maybe it was the first fruits that of the harvest um, that was coming forth. But we do know, again, that Daniel seems to indicate to us, and let me read it to you, uh, Daniel chapter 12, is that at that time Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over your uh, sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, as speaking of uh, the tribulation period, such as never since there was a nation. And everyone who's found written in a book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So some suggest that the Old Testament saints will be resurrected at that time of Jacob's trouble. So 1 Corinthians 15 says each one in his in its own orders, but that's an interesting verse, and and so maybe it was the first fruits of the Old Testament saints that are going to come forward. Yeah, because when Jesus, some some part of that, when he was in the grave those three days, he was he was rescuing the people, the Old Testament people that they, I'm, wherever they were at at that time, paradise or whatever, and and because um, they were looking forward to the cross, and so. Maybe we don't even understand all the mystery of that, but that. thank you yeah. for your explanation. Yeah. And I th- think that Jesus, as Ephesians says, before he ascended, he first descended. He yeah. told the thief on the cross, before the Son has said, you'll be with me in paradise. So when Jesus breathed his last, uh, if you would, um, he would escort the thief down to what was called paradise in the center of the earth, according to Luke chapter 16. And it was there that Jesus would say, I died for your sins. Uh, Those on the Old Testament were looking forward to the cross. I've died for your sins. I've made atonement. A book of Hebrews says he presented his blood in because he ministers in a superior sanctuary, in a heavenly sanctuary, and he died for the sins of the world once and for all, because the Old Testament sacrifices were just a covering, a kofar, until Jesus came and died once and for all. So now that chamber is empty. And um, and so is it related to that, what was happening in Jerusalem here? I I don't know. So, um, But paradise is empty, but those of the unrighteous... Uh, on that side of Hades are going to be resurrected at the end of the millennium reign. So it's it's interesting things, but the resurrection taking place all in its own time. We always want to be a part of the first resurrection as believers in the church. Uh, we will be resurrected at the time of the rapture of the church, having new heavenly bodies. I love it. Thank you so much. That, you you are welcome. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Okay. You are welcome. Yeah, Good okay. question. Yeah, good. All right. God bless you today. Thank you, Pastor. You, you too. Bye-bye. You bet. You bet, Lynn. Good questions. The resurrection's hard concept to, to kind of gather, but it's a promise that we have. And we're going to go to Christina in Lakewood. She has a question about the rapture as well. Christina? Hi, Pastor. Hi. How are 
How are you? What is uh, What is your name? I'm Pastor Jeff. Jeff. Okay. Hi, Pastor Jeff. I'm good. Um, I kind of wanted to add to uh, the rapture. Um, mm-hmm. The way I was kind of taught and brought up was if we don't make it when God comes for his people, um, I heard you say to the other lady that there will be no second chances, so I kind of wanted to clarify for those who do believe in Christ, but they got left behind, is there right. is no second chance? No, and the that's way a that good I question. Was told is that if you don't take right. the mark of the beast, and if right. you get your head cut off, then you pretty much have like a second chance. Yeah, and you're right. And so to clarify that kind of what I was saying is once our life ends here, there is no second chance. You know, there's no nirvana, there's no purgatory, there's none of that. But at the rapture of the church, we know from the book of Revelation, from chapter 7, that there's going to be many that are going to come to Christ, right? And that's what you're making reference to. There are many that are going to believe, and and many of them are going to be martyred for their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Mm -hmm. so um, you also made reference to taking the mark of the beast. There's going to be a proclamation by three angels in Revelation chapter 14 that will come on the scene, and they will declare, if you take the mark of the beast, there's no hope of salvation. But for those who are killed in the tribulation period, yes, they will go to heaven, and um, and then um, they will eventually get their resurrected bodies. And so there is still hope in the tribulation period. Um, there is those who are going to go through the tribulation that are going to come to Christ. Um, matter of fact, I'll read it to you just for, again, the sake of the listeners. Uh, we have the ministry of the two witnesses that we've made reference to. We have the ministry of the 144,000. And in chapter 7, verse 9, after these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so, um, you know, it was asked of John, Who are these in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they are the ones, the tribulation saints, because the Antichrist eventually is going to go after anyone who does not make their allegiance to him, and they will um, and they will be persecuted. Uh, the Jews will be heavily persecuted, and then the tribulation saints, and we also know that God's going to pour out his Spirit on Israel in the tribulation period to where their eyes are going to be opened up, and they will recognize that Jesus is their Mashiach, their Messiah. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. Um, if the line's not too busy, can I ask one more question? Yeah, you can ask the question, but Christina, what we're going to do is you're going to hear music in a, just a minute, and we're going to go to break, so if I have to interrupt you, just stay on, and then we'll complete the conversation after the break, all right? So go ahead. Okay, sounds good. Um, so one thing that I'm kind of confused about is homosexuality. Um, mm-hmm. And I know my grandpa's talked to me about it, about Zada and Gomorrah, um, how God destroyed that town, because that was going on as well as many other things. 
Um, I do have friends who do believe in God, and they are gay, and they say, well, God still loves me, and I do agree with that, but he doesn't love their sin because they're not turning from it. Um, But I have a hard time understanding why God is against it, um, even though I do respect it, and it is his word. Um, Right. And I have family who are gay, and I had a best friend of 12 years who was gay, and I recently had a falling out with him where I felt like God was removing me from that situation because okay. it was a little toxic. Okay. Yeah, but and then, Christina, you got you bringing up a good point. We're going to go to break, so stay on the line, and then we'll continue okay. on the other side of the break. Okay, this is Calvary Live. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. I want to welcome you back to the second half of Calvary Live. Boy, that first half went really fast. And good questions about the resurrection and about the rapture of the church and uh, so just good conversations. Hey, you just heard the number. Uh, we have open lines. So 303-690-3000, call. And I want to answer your questions, take you to the Word of God, uh, give you uh, clarity and understanding the best I know how. And, of course, that text number is 720-336-0897. And you can text in a, a question or a prayer request. We want to pray with you. And um, this is Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs at Calvary Chapel Greeley. But before the break, uh, we want to finish up with Christina. Christina, you still with us? Yeah. So I appreciate your question. You're asking about um, friends that are in the homosexual uh, lifestyle. Um, we do know that the Bible has to say that it is sin. And I think that as many people are listening, uh, we live today in a culture where uh, most of us, we know somebody who's homosexual or um, in that lifestyle, um, and they're friends, they're family members, they're co-workers, and we care about them. We really do. And the Bible has to say that homosexuality from beginning to end is sin, um, that God's intention when he created man. He created woman, and you know he he brought the woman to the man. The definition of marriage that is between a man and a woman, and, and that's what God has said. And He says in Leviticus, He says throughout um, as Genesis talks about Sodom and Gomorrah that you mentioned was judged for sin, and and there was uh, homosexuality and great depravity that was taking place. And then Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. So we know that it's sin, but but here's the thing to remember, Christina. Um, God does love them. He loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And that's for any sin. It's not just homosexuality, but anybody who's living in any kind of sexual sin. Um, somebody who's living in fornication. Somebody who's living in adultery. And God's calling us to repent, and, and he loves us. 
And, and I want those out there to remember that God loves the homosexual. He He does. He loves the transgenders. He He loves those who are in any sin. Um, and but Paul makes it very clear, and we were talking about this in First John um, about how John is very very um, direct when he talks about um, you know sin. Um, whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him. First uh, John chapter three, and it's not talking about if you sin, there's no forgiveness. There is forgiveness for any kind of sin. He said earlier in the epistle that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So any sin that any of us are involved in, that we're called to repent, Jesus calls us to himself, and then he gives us, not only does he desire to break us from, um, as he forgives us, the, the penalty of sin, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we become a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts, but he wants to give us a power to live a life for him. And there may be that tendency still of struggling with that sin, but but you come to Christ, you know what his word has to say, and he desires to 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 bring that restoring work, that healing work in all of us in any sin that we're involved in. So we want to give that message of hope to anybody who's in sin, and uh, but God will judge sin eventually. And and Paul says um, in First Corinthians chapter six, and again he's not saying if you sin, there's no forgiveness, but he's talking about somebody who's practicing such sins. Matter of fact, uh, Galatians uh, talks the same thing in chapter five that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul writes the same thing, and I think this will be an encouragement um, to you in First Corinthians chapter six that he says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, nor thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking about those who practice such things, who continually, habitually practice these things with no desire to turn to God, to ask God for help, to to repent, to, 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 you know, come to Jesus. And he goes on and he says, and such were some of you. Some of you were these things. And Corinth was a very carnal city. Such were some of you, and you were washed, and you were sanctified. That means set apart. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. So the answer to everyone is Jesus. It is Jesus in coming to Jesus. Uh, to make us a new creation in him, and then the Lord desires for us to walk with him. So I don't know if that helps, but, you know, there's there's hope, and the only hope we have is through Jesus Christ. Okay. All right? Um, yeah. Now, I, I totally agree with all of that, and I myself struggled with my sexuality years ago, where I did want uh-huh. to be lesbian, but I was founded on the Word of God, and I went with what he says and and he changed my heart you know uh, and I didn't go after my flesh but I guess it's I there's just some things that you just don't understand even though you know you know it like everything you told me I know it there's just some things that I you just still don't understand but I don't think everything is to be understood 
I think right. it's just God's word and we have to obey it. And uh, yeah. some things are just what they are. Um, right. I just find myself, you know, it's hard to have a relationship with someone who is, but then at the same time, like you said, my sin is no greater than their sin. You know, all sin is sin. Uh, But I know God also tells us to be separate from this world. And so I feel like I'm friends and surrounding myself with someone who is gay, I feel like I'm not at peace and I don't, I don't, I don't feel good, you know, but I still want to love on them and I find it hard to still be their friend. Yeah. And now my and, sister you know, just came out about that she's bisexual. So now I'm just kind of like yeah. lost. You and know? you know, and that's that's the world. And what culture does is put pressure on us. I think where the problem comes in is the culture puts pressure on us that we as Christians need to accept that and 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 celebrate it. And and that's for not just homosexuality or bisexual or whatever the case may be, it's for any sin. Um and um, we as Christians are to stand for righteousness, but I, I want to remind all of us that we are to give the truth and the love of Jesus Christ to others. And we have people that have, you know, um, you know, that I know that are Christians that they have come out of that lifestyle. It still may be a struggle for them. It may be temptations, but they have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. And there are those who come that have the temptation. Um, you know, in other areas of sin that they struggle with. It may be pornography. It may be, you know, living with a girlfriend, a boyfriend. That is something that we need to rely on God to give us the strength and the power because not only does he give us the the, the cross of Christ, the power for um, the forgiveness of sin, but not to be enslaved to sin. And we need him so desperately and it's a supernatural work that he does. So that's the good news we need to give to others. All right? Good. Thanks, okay. Christina. Can I can I pray for you? Yeah. Father, I pray for Christina. I thank you for her honesty of her heart and her question. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd help her with, with her struggles. And, Lord, that um, she would be a light to, to whoever it is, her sister, um, to others around her as she struggled with her sexuality. And, Lord, that I, I thank you that she's made a commitment to Christ. She knows that she's to be obedient to the Word of God, and I just pray that you would strengthen her and comfort her, give her wisdom, Lord, and, Lord, just, um, Lord, that she would know you love her so much. And we have been sanctified, even as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. We've been sanctified, set apart for you, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus in the Spirit of our God. So I pray that she would find comfort in that, and, Lord, stand on that blessed hope uh, that we have of Scripture. So bless her in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we have open lines. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Love to hear from you. And um, and we got plenty of time to take the phone calls. We'll just go to the text line today. And there was a good question. There's a question. If the Pharisees were hypocrites in whitewashed tombs, why were they not killed when they entered into the Holy of Holies? And that is a good question. Uh, the Pharisees, of course, 
were the religious leaders of the day. They were the separated ones that said, we're going to separate uh, our uh, selves, and we're going to keep the most minute details of the law. The scribes came along, they would copy the scriptures, and they would interpret the scriptures and, and the law. And many of the scribes, not all of them, but many of them were Pharisees. Not all the Pharisees were scribes, but uh, you read about the scribes and the Pharisees usually linked together in the Gospels. They are the ones that came against Christ determined to kill him. But the interesting thing is you had another uh, group of religious leaders called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were mostly of the high priest. And um, so uh, the high priest, you know, um, and that year that Jesus uh, was uh, crucified was Caiaphas. His father-in-law, Annas, was the power behind the high priestly office. So probably he was a Sadducee. And the Sadducees were corrupt as well. They didn't believe in much of the Scripture, only the first five uh, books of of the Old Testament. They didn't believe in uh, angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in coming Messiah. They didn't believe in much of anything. They were kind of, you know, wealthy. They were less in numbers. But the the Holy of Holies at that time, uh, the priesthood, and there's a whole lesson you can read on it, really had become corrupt at that time. Uh, when Rome came in, what happened was Rome uh, was the powerhouse. And they said, listen, we don't want any high priest to get too much power, so we're going to dictate who the high priest was. And what they did is they said, we might as well take advantage of it, so we're going to give it to highest bidder. Annas, who was the one in charge of all the selling of oxen and sheep, you read about in the Gospels, you know how Jesus overturned the money changers' tables on that week of Passover. He cleansed the temple. He drove out those who sold the sacrifices, the sheep, the animals, uh, the doves, um, and he rebuked the religious leaders. And he said that, uh, you've made my father's house a, a den of thieves. He, there was two cleansings. You made my father's house a house of merchandise. Well, Annas was overseeing that, and he was getting very rich. So Annas would get the high priestly office, make the bid for it. It was also given to him who would work with Rome. And so Annas did that. And then he bought the high priestly office for his sons and son-in-laws, Caiaphas, was one at the time of Jesus. So he was the official high priest uh, presiding over the Sanhedrin council made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. And and then, um, you know, Annas was the power behind it. So um, the priesthood had become very corrupt at that time. And uh, so, um, anyhow, um, so why didn't God uh, kill him when they went in? Because I think probably as you're texting in this question, there is was um, some thought, and I've read this, that uh, in the Old Testament, when the high priest, who was the direct descendant of Aaron, when he went into the Holy of Holies where Solomon's temple was, Solomon's temple ended up being destroyed, then the second temple was built, um, Zerubbabel's temple. But when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to make uh, atonement for the nation, that they would tie a rope around his ankle, that he had bells around the hem of his robe. And if he went in and he wasn't 
right with God that he would be struck dead. And if you heard a thud, no one was going to go behind that veil into the Holy of Holies, but what would take place is they would drag that person out uh, with the rope around their ankles. So um, did that really happen? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's what tradition has to say. And uh, and so by the time of Jesus, uh, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, um, you know, uh, things were um, a lot different back then. Hey, we got open lines, 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs at Calvary Chapel Greeley. Hey, while I have time, we've been busy with phone lines and answering questions that we do have church tomorrow here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. Love to to hear from you and um, and meet you. And, and we're in the book of Isaiah. It's an incredible study. 7 o'clock, you can check us out on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com. And uh, so uh, come and see us and and. Uh, worship with us. We got a place for all the kids. We got uh, a place for um, the youth, and um, we are studying uh, Isaiah and, and the worship. And especially, listen, I know it's a holiday weekend coming up, Labor Day weekend, and a lot of you are going to be out. So we want to to just pray that you have a safe weekend as we finish up the summer season. But Wednesday nights are a great opportunity for you to be in fellowship. And I encourage my congregation, hey, if you're going to be gone on weekends, some people have to work, some like to get out, the Aspens are going to be changing soon, the the elk are in rut, and a lot of people go up to Estes Park uh, to see that. Hey, come on Wednesday nights and uh, come worship with us. Come study God's Word together. And as I said, we got a place for all the kids and would love to serve you and your family. So Calvary Chapel, we're easy to find. Check us out, calvarychapelgreeley.com. Still have some open lines. One of the things also that has been on my heart while we got a little bit of time in, in 303-690-3000 is an opportunity for you to, to call in while we got some time and also to text in a question or a prayer request at 720-336-0897 because I have answered all the text questions as well. Uh, but uh, we'd love to to talk with you, answer uh, your questions, uh, pray with you, uh, any way that we can minister to you on the show. But as I said, one of the things that, um, that, uh, that has been on my heart, uh, it, hearing about um, a young pastor in Southern California, maybe perhaps some of you have heard this, uh, that uh, was pastoring, a very influential church there, and um, he took his own life. And um, so we want to pray for his family. He leaves a wife and three beautiful young boys behind. But I want to encourage you uh, that are listening, pray for your pastor. Uh, Pray for those who are in the ministry because it can be very, very difficult. And and we, we grieve at the news of hearing of this young pastor just 30 years old being used of God, um, that came to that point of just being hopeless. And, and now, um, you know, um, he took his own life. And, and pastors, here's the thing to remember, and we talked about this um, it, it, with my staff and with my, my pastoral staff, that pray for your pastor because, number one, it's a spiritual war out there. And when, especially in the day that we are living in, that when you are in ministry, it's a war. And 
anyone who's been in war knows that it's not glorious, it's not glamorous. It is very, very difficult. So your pastor is under attack, so you pray for him. Second of all, there's a lot of um, expectations that puts, gets put on the pastor. You see, as a pastor, we want to teach the Word of God. We want to make that a priority. We want to love people. But there's a lot of other responsibilities that come, and it can be very, very difficult. And you're an administrator. You're a counselor. Um, you're, you got to answer um, a lot of things. It's, it's a lot harder to run a church today because of all the liabilities. So that pressure is on the pastor. And then third of all, most pastors that I've met can feel so inadequate um, in what they're doing. And so um, it's, it's, you know, we look at other churches and they're bigger, you know, other ministries that, that seem God's working. And, and so encourage your pastor, pray for him. And, and, and let's do that right now. Father, we do pray for those um, who are in the ministry and, and we pray for this uh, family and congregation in California that's left without their pastor who battle with depression and anxiety. And Lord, we just lift them up to you. We pray that you would minister to them, to his um, wife, to his three boys. And Lord, um, we don't understand it all. But when we are confronted with things we don't understand, we want to fall back into things we do understand. And, and Lord, that your comfort and strength and love would be with them during this time of grieving and this time of, of just a difficult journey that they're on, all of them. And Lord, I just pray that you be with those who are in the ministry. It, it's hard. It's it's a warfare going on. We can feel so inadequate. Um, the duties can be never-ending. So, Lord, strengthen all those uh, along our listening uh, area in Colorado on the East Coast um, that are in the ministry. Lord, strengthen them, bless them, uh, continue to give them endurance and strength in every way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's go to our phone lines, Joyce and Fort Collins. Joyce? Joyce, are you there? Joyce? Hey, let's go to our phone lines. Joyce? Yes. You're on Calvary Live. I'm here, yes. Yes. I'm here. What can we do for you? What can we do for you, Joyce? Yeah, I had asked. Uh, um, someone had, um, I do a Bible study. What can we do for you? Hey, Joyce. Um, I do a Bible study, can, and someone asked me if um, God Joyce, can you, can you turn your radio down because you're getting feedback, and then you can continue, Okay. I do a Bible study, Joyce? and someone asked me if mm -hmm. um, Jesus, he said that Jesus went to hell and wrestled with Satan, and he also said that, um, and I can't find nowhere in the scripture where Jesus went to hell at all. Right. So, and there's nothing in the scripture that says that Jesus wrestled with Satan in hell. Uh, that is made up. It's not in the scriptures, but what we read in the book of Ephesians, and I've made mention to this earlier in the show, that he's... Paul writes that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, and what does it mean? That he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. What is believed that, again, 
Jesus, you remember, said to the thief on the cross, you'll be with me in paradise before the sun has set. And as you go to Luke chapter 16, start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, that Jesus told of a story. Some believe it, it may be a parable, but uh, many theologians and commentators and Bible teachers believe it's an actual story of Lazarus of the rich man. Are you familiar with that, Joyce? Yeah, well, he's this song, yes. I am. Yeah. Okay. So in his bosom. Yeah. Paradise was Abraham's bosom. Uh, Abraham's yeah. bosom, paradise. So Jesus went down into that chambers and that he led captivity captive. Um, and he said, Hey, I've died for your sins. Because in the Old Testament, they look forward to the cross. Um, the animal sacrifices did not take away sin. The animal sacrifices only covered sin until Jesus came and died once and for all. That's the whole theme of the book of of Hebrews is Jesus is superior. His ministry, his sacrifice, the Old Testament animal sacrifices could not do that. So Jesus said, hey, I died for your sins, and that chamber is now empty, and now we are promised as Christians to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we die now, we go directly to heaven to be with Jesus. Amen. But with that said, Jesus, you know, went there. He descended before he ascended. He would ascend. He's now at the right hand of the Father. So that's what that means. There is also, Peter writes, uh, it's a difficult verse. Uh, He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited for the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. So he says that he went and preached to the spirits in prison. It doesn't say anything about he wrestled with with Satan. Satan's no match for Jesus. Jesus said that I saw Satan fall like lightning. God j- just spoke the word and Satan fell. So, you know, when somebody says that, it seems like they're kind of putting Satan on the opposite equal with, with Jesus. He's not the opposite equal, all right? And um, But what it means probably is that um, as we uh, consider this, is that Jesus put those spirits on notice, that I've come, and I've died for the sins of the world, and you have been defeated. And I think that's a better interpretation of that, um, that he went and preached to the spirits. It wasn't that he preached you know, the gospel to them, those uh, demons, but he put them on notice. So I think that's a better interpretation of that. And um, he went down to, to, to lead captivity, you know, free from captive. Now we're with Jesus. And um, so hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah, it is. I truly understand it. And I've been doing scriptures on it because um, I just wanted to make sure that no, that there was, I wasn't in error because there is nowhere in the Bible. Because I mean, I read the Bible a lot and I've yeah. never seen that. I, you know, and I've, I've heard, you know, those that I, I've heard those even teach that Jesus went down, was tormented for, you know, three days, and kind of like he was tormented and had to go through that process in hell. 
There's nothing in the scripture that says that. But I think a real key is to, as he's announcing the fact that, listen, even as Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, those in heaven, those on the earth, and then what? Those under the earth. So he was there in Hades, two compartments. He let captivity free as that chamber is empty, and he put those on notice those demons, those demonic spirits that I came and you've been defeated and I've broken the chain of sin for mankind and brought victory. So it's more of a proclamation, I think, more than yes. anything. Yes. Does that help? Yes, it does. Yeah. Do you have time for another question? Got about one minute, so we'll make it quick. Okay. The other thing that I'm a little confused about is where it says your enemy will be of your whole household. Is what? Your enemy would be of your own household? Well, Jesus talked about when he came. uh, The only thing that I can think of is that he said that I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword to bring division. And he said a mother will go, you know, against a daughter, a father against a son. And what happens is, is when, you know, you see it in a household that there are those, he talks about when he comes even of their own household, that will turn you over to the authorities. And and we see that today. There are those yeah. who have been strained and severed their relationship with parents or with children because they made a decision for Jesus Christ, and I think that's what's being told. So, hey, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. You bet. God bless you, Joyce. Hey, everybody called. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Calvary Live. Have a blessed evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.